0: Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
1: Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. Central Florida is the best non-Power 5 job in the country. It is better than most Power 5 jobs. Heath all. This
2: is Lane Kiffin at work. You're talking Uh, about a place that had the 126th defense in the country last year out of 127 teams.
3: And SI's Pat Forty. Now the future is bright for UCF, for Gus, and for Waffle House. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan.
1: I believe the happiest person in Central Florida right now, all of Orlando, maybe the entire I-4 corridor is the proprietor of the Waffle House at (laughs) 11749 East Colonial Drive in Orlando. Because that is the closest Waffle House to the University of Central Florida, which just hired Gus Malzahn, Waffle House enthusiast, the man who will make Waffle House the go-to spot after every UCF victory
3: going forward. These are great days for Waffle House, isn't it? Absolutely. Look, Waffle House is now—it's—it's it's almost mainstreaming because you know Waffle House was that small town Southern kind of place, and I, you know Florida's its own separate republic almost. And now Waffle House has gotten a huge injection in Orlando. I see probably Disney World will have to build one eventually if <laughs> Gus wins enough. If this—if Night Mania overtakes Orlando. Then, yes, the entire I-4 corridor, every exit ramp, and there are a million of them along I-4 between Tampa and Orlando, will have its own Waffle House. So there will be Gus billboards all over the place. Now, the future is bright for UCF, for Gus, and for Waffle House. So
2: do you think Disney should add a waffle-themed character, Pat? Is that what you're <laughs> intimating? Do you think, like, Waffle Waffle McWaffly, maybe, like, comes on and, like— Hangs out with Goofy. Goofy would probably be his running buddy. Maybe a little Donald Duck. Maybe they're like sort of the, the rogue crew that, uh, that that goes through. I, I do have to say this. I love Waffle House. Who doesn't love breakfast? Who doesn't love late night eating after nights out? Like Waffle House is right in our listenership's wheelhouse. I was a little disappointed in Waffle House. I, I went on their uh, I went on their Twitter yesterday uh, to uh, to to tag them um, in writing about Gus Malzahn and uh, Pat. And I were both on the press conference and. How many Twitter followers do you think Waffle House has? Oh, boy. I would think a lot, like a half million? 109,000. Like They're not trying like, hard enough. Yeah, I like, think like, like Waffle House is such an iconic part. They could glom onto so much. I, I don't oh. certainly am not going to reel off fast food Twitter stats, but be better, Waffle House. You're a bigger <laughs> part of society than that. You're a great fodder for the snark, drunken idiots who d- who are on Twitter
3: like the three of us. So yeah. come on, Waffle House. We need you. We need you I there. mean, Scattered, smothered, and covered is a southern way of life, man. They should yes. have they should have every Southern football fan uh on on Twitter following
1: them. Yeah. I mean, they do those those weird Chick-fil-A commercials where they act like Chick-fil-A, like you go into Chick-fil-A and they'll they'll do extra service for you, which is not my experience with Chick-fil-A. There's so many people at Chick-fil-A that you're just lucky. It's like a beggar's like it's like they're throwing bread out to the to the people in the depression. Like, is just people <laughs> like, where's my order? Uh, right. I've never seen know. great customer service at, at uh, Chick-fil-A. Waffle House, so that's home. Waffle House is home. Um, there are 185 Waffle Houses in the state of Florida, according to yeah. scape, ScrapeHero.com. I don't know what. Oh, scra- no. It's a data <laughs> company. Georgia has uh, 438. So there's one Waffle House for 116,000 oh, wow. people in Florida. But there's one Waffle House for every 24,000 people in Georgia. So good on you, Georgia. That, uh, honestly, I would have thought there were more in Georgia. I mean, you can't turn around in Atlanta without, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting one. (laughs) It's like Dunkin' Donuts in Boston. You guys ever, you know, we'll get to Gus Malzahn and whether you can win at Central Florida, but this is far more important. We're talking Waffle House because they always win. (laughs) Um, Have you ever seen or heard the clip of the great Anthony Bourdain when he went to
3: Waffle House, I have not. I hate, help, all right, we're in a, But I am uh, instantly Sully, curious. Sully, oh, yeah. played. Uh,
1: first off. I loved Anthony Bourdain. I loved that sure. show. It was the only thing that could get me to watch cable news channels. Um, <laughs> and it was sad when he committed suicide and we lost him because I the, every I watched every episode wherever he went to. Um, but this is including the beauty is he would go to like some, he'd be in Madagascar one week and Waffle House the next. That's what I just didn't know where it's showing up. Sully, all right, play this and tell me this is not like the greatest piece of Americana writing ever. All right, Sully, play this.
3: It is indeed marvelous an irony free zone where everything is beautiful and nothing hurts, (laughs) where everybody, regardless of race, creed, color, or degree of inebriation, (laughs) is welcomed. Its warm yellow glow, a beacon of hope and salvation, inviting the hungry, the lost, the seriously hammered all across the South <laughs> to come inside, a place of safety and nourishment. It never closes. It is always, always faithful, always there for you. <laughs> That's that, tremendous. That Tom Rinaldi vibes.
2: Yeah. Like I was, I was tearing up when it got to equity. I was starting to tear up a little bit. Like <laughs> I mean.
3: Man, Bourdain. He's unbelievable. <laughs> the seriously hammered. Yeah. 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 Percentage of times and, I've
2: gone to Waffle House sober versus drunk, not a great percentage.
1: <laughs>
3: the, it's
2: all, uh, it was a Waffle
3: House at the end of Okaloosa Island, uh for, between Fort Walton Beach and Destin. We went there for spring break for like 20 straight years. And that was the Waffle House we would go to with the kids. And it would be hilarious to see the other Spring Breakers, who were not with kids, who were younger, come staggering in there in various uh, states of disarray and starvation. Uh, it was that, that was a prime Waffle House for people watching. Well, anyway, uh, Gus Malzahn loves
1: Waffle House. Uh, he celebrates his victories at Auburn by going to a Waffle House. And now I presume maybe he did it at Arkansas State or even in high school up in Arkansas. Now he will do it such Central Florida, and I believe he will win uh, a considerable amount. I would like to just say Gus is winning the world. Someone said nobody had a good 2020 except Patrick Mahomes, who signed like a half a billion dollar contract, won the Super Bowl. Like a, Gus came close. He got fired, but made out with like 50 million bucks or something. I don't even remember. Uh, a ton. 20 change, 21. Yeah. 21, yeah, million 21 million
2: dollars. 11 in a 11 in a poison pill like right away though. right like away 60 days that that's that's really when you're winning life
1: the when dude get... has 11 million burning a, a hole in his pocket and now gets to shop for houses in in Orlando then gets a <laughs> job that I'm not sure isn't like I don't know gonna say it's better I don't know what it is but it, it's a damn good job or Central Florida is the best non-power five job in the country it is better than most power five jobs in the country. Uh, especially if you already have your money. Like, there's no motivation now to be like, got to gotta go grab that, you know, I don't know, whatever. Mississippi State job, it's, I hope I can make it because they're going to pay me more. You already stole all the SEC's money. You got it. <laughs> and now you get to coach this really good program, great facilities, great city with talent, media market, you know, and, and you're going to have an advantage. Gus on. He had it all figured out the whole time. We were making fun of his sweater vests. And and, and 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 he's he just pulls the pulls the rabbit out of his hat.
2: Yeah. I I wrote a column on this, uh, Pat did too. I was maybe like a pinch more bullish. Like I love the fit for a very specific reason. Like Gus Malzahn's, Offense when it was really working and humming, when he was calling plays, and he was very clear about calling plays that he was going to do that. His his self-reflection, and we can get into this more because I'm skipping around here, but like he was like, Well, I took eight weeks and figured it all out. It was classic myopic college football coach. Like <laughs> yeah. he acted like the eight weeks was like two and a half years, right? Like <laughs> yeah, of, totally. of time off. And then when people prodded him to give some specifics, really the only specific that he gave was that he was gonna call plays. Like that was it. <laughs> no, I'm sure he did some reflection and you don't want to give away State City. Secrets, but it was it was pretty funny. Gus Mozan, and I had an assistant in the SEC tell me this, will have a talent advantage 90% of the time when he's the coach at Central Florida, right? And Cincinnati fans were already mad, right? what about Bearcats? Bearcats are better right now. There's no question. All right. But Gus Mozan with a talent advantage means that he can run his offense and dare people to stop him. All right. Like the guy said. They, Malzahn early on at Auburn was so defiant at what he did. Like They only ran power one way and counter one way. It was the ultimate like, dare you to stop us. Now, you could call it a high school offense, but it was successful. And it's going to be successful when they have better players. So you combine that with two other factors that I think are important. One is all his, his eight years as a head coach in the SEC recruiting the South. So you have a lot of credibility when you walk in high schools. And the second factor I did not write about my column, but I think is important, is every single quarterback who goes to a school, gets beat out for a job, is going to want to transfer to Central Florida, right? Because it's going to be, if you're a power five, because it's going to be a level below. So not only can he recruit a great quarterback, and I do think part of that reflection means he's going to go more than Nick Marshall, Cam Newton, dynamic zone read route. But I think he will have quarterbacks lining up on campus to come there. So I, I think it's a great iron. I think it really helps Central Florida maximize that school's potential. Oh, I agree. I
3: think it's uh, this is a really good marriage, I think. A, a program that has gotten to some really high heights. I mean, undefeated in 2017, damn near undefeated in 2018. Uh, they have slipped a little bit the last couple of seasons. Gus has slipped a little bit the last couple of seasons. I think you put them together with a renewed energy Uh, And I think it's, I think there's a very good chance that this works out well. Uh, Pete, to your point, it was pretty funny where those eight weeks were almost made out like Jesus wandering the desert, you know, or Tom (laughs) Hanks on the, on the deserted island with the volleyball, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, (laughs) Gus has 40 days to not oversee winter conditioning. Oh, the incredible hardship. But no, I, I mean, I, I, you know, he's one of these pedal to the metal guys and eight weeks probably seems like eight years to him. Uh, so I think that, yeah. And look, you get fired from a job. Okay. Step back. Why did I get fired? Well, you can say it's unfair. You can look and say, well, maybe these things I wasn't doing as well as I was before. And one of the things I have always said, and we've said on this podcast, he is a, I think he's a great play caller. I think he's gifted in that area. So yeah, you should call the plays. The chance to be at, again, as you said, a forefront group of five school, when we may be on the cusp of playoff expansion, Means you're in a great chance, got a great chance to go to the playoff, you know, year after year. And Luke Fickle has Cincinnati a definite level above UCF right now, and above basically everyone else. I would say in the group of five, but that doesn't mean it's forever. You know, if you do your job well at UCF, you're right there with them, and you're competing with them, and you're gonna have a chance to go to the playoff and recruit well. And be a hero down there without having to deal with the Bobby Louders or any of the other crazy boosters at at Auburn that leveraged you out of there. It's not to say they don't have boosters at UCF, but I think it's a little more grounded in reality than Auburn was.
2: So can I cut in quick, Dan, and just ask Sully a question? Because Sully was getting a little chesty on Twitter yesterday. Sully, as our listeners know, is a huge Tennessee fan, Tennessee graduate, grew up a Tennessee fan. He felt like there were too many people declaring this a better hire than Josh Heupel. So, Sully, I'd like to hear your perspective. Sitting right here now, mid-February 2021, would you rather have Josh Heupel, or would you rather have Gus Malzahn coaching your
0: Vols? Oh, man, that's a great question. I, you know, I think my, more of my frustration is everybody – wanting to stamp a grade on both hires going in. You know, like I think Josh Heupel has a chance with the resources at Tennessee to be better than Gus Malzahn at Auburn. Shoot, you got to see it, you know, you really got to see it. And of course, Gus, it's easy to say uh, Gus walking into a a program that is not removed from an undefeated season, not far removed from undefeated season. Of course, he's he's walking. He's a hell of a coach walking into an even better situation right now. So it's easy. It's just easy to to, to kick over Tennessee right now is my point. You know, that's that's not that's not a hot take. Of course, Gus. You want Gus. Of course, you want him running a program that's three years removed from undefeated. You know, it's just an easy take to have. Was my so, only point. So, who would you rather have? Oh, oh, I'd rather have Gus okay. right now because I think it's it's their ceilings are similar, but his floor is way above what Heupels is. Well put.
1: I think that's pretty well put. I, I, I think with Gus, it's it's really going to be interesting to see. Uh, quickly to your point, Pete. Not have like the stuff that Gus Malzahn does not like, and most coaches don't, um, is the boosters, the, the 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 touchdown club, the media, a lot of the stuff like that. He's never, I've never seen him be particularly warm with. I've talked to Gus Malzahn. I talked to Gus Malzahn last off season, and it was like, you know, I think he was couldn't get off the phone quicker, uh, which is not <laughs> unusual when talking to me. Yeah. But that's but what um, Pat and
2: I are like every well, pod. Damn, so. might might be me,
1: <laughs> but. Not him, but you know, it was like I think I was asking about Jared Stidham. I mean, it was pretty. This is not a controversial interview. Uh, <laughs> tell me how great your former guy is and how smart you are, <laughs> right? <laughs> and he still wasn't too enthusiastic about it. But what he is good, but but that's that goes away a lot at Central Florida. You know, I mean, there's a media market for him, and they actually cover UCF down in Orlando. It's a it's a it's the football team in the town of a huge city and a huge school and a growing school. But he's not going to have those crazy – the crazy boosters and the unbelievable expectations. But what I I just – the hard part with Auburn of late is, is Alabama, of course. And yeah, Alabama has always been there. But even in the Bear Bryant days, it wasn't this dominant. Right. Like they – Alabama gets every kid in the state of Alabama that it wants pretty much. Auburn's going to win one two out of 10 of those fights. One out of it's going to be cuz it's a it's a it's an alum. I mean, I'm looking at like class of 2020 in state Alabama, Auburn got the seventh guy. Like they're not getting and when you can't control your state in the SEC, there's just only so much you can do. I yeah. mean, it's just it's cuz you got to go into the other guy's state. To find players. Now, they get a lot of great talent at Auburn. You get a lot of kids coming down from Atlanta. You're close to Atlanta. I'm not saying it's a bad situation, but maybe where it was a little bit more of a a fair fight, at least it was a 60 40 kind of thing when Alabama's not doing great, you had no chance with Nick Saban. Nick Saban basically, when he calls any player in America, they listen. But in the state of Alabama, why wouldn't you go? So when he can. To try to, to have that level of success, not just playing Alabama and, and LSU and all the others and, and having the crossover be Georgia, which is always a, a tough deal for, for Auburn. I mean, it's a great rivalry, and you tr- cherish it, but that's you don't get an easy crossover game ever. When you have that inability to control even halfway your own state, it's almost impossible. So I think he did a really good job. Most years, he had a winning record in the SEC— I uh, had a couple seven and one seasons. I mean, I, the, the non-conference I don't care about because Auburn often will just load up three easy ones. So now, you know, he he's looking at being able to at least, I mean, look, he's not going to beat Florida for kids and he's not going to beat Florida State. He's probably not going to beat Miami, but you be that second guy in a state like Florida, there's a lot of players there and a lot of possibilities. So, I, you know, this is a great, great spot. Whether he would have done better at Tennessee, probably. But I I certainly
3: think if you're a UCF fan, you think you probably upgraded on your coach. Yeah, I think so. I think that if you're a UCF fan, you're more excited now than you were in December uh, when you thought you were having another year with Heupel, most likely. There is, to Sully's point, nothing is guaranteed. We got to actually see it play out. We got to see if this is the best version of Gus Malzahn, as Gus Malzahn said it was going to be. But uh, I will say, for a guy, Dan, as you alluded to, this is not the most galvanizing charismatic conversationalist out there uh but he came with some juice yesterday I mean he sounded extremely excited at the podium threw out some lines even which isn't really his thing I mean I remember covering the picks in the kick six which Pete covered as well and going to his press conference after the most remarkable win in the biggest rivalry ever and he's just like well yeah that was really exciting that was great you know and you're like oh my god Somebody check him for a pulse. Uh, but this was a little more energetic Gus. So I think, you know, if that carries over, we may see a little more zest from him than we had the last couple of years. Yeah, and I think it's important about Gus. Like, he wasn't a jerk.
2: He was just kind of a dud. Does that make sense? Like, oh absolutely. never treated you bad. He never talked down to you. But, like, no, you were never said to... He called you yeah, back. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. he called back. He was good. He was accessible. But, like, he was just flat. And I, I wrote in my column about the press conference, I, like, it was like the tin man had a heart all of a sudden. You you were like, This is why like Gus Mozon should be they they should be writing books about him. He's this great American hero who invented an offense in in small town Arkansas, roared through the high school ranks, roared through the college ranks, came thirteen. Like that's a movie script.
1: Yeah. Almost but won like, the national title.
2: Oh, yeah, like and he won one as a coordinator, and he you know was one pass against Florida State with with a few seconds left from winning one as a head coach. Like that is like a remarkable American story, and you don't think of it because he has monotoned his way out of like that narrative. Like he's just been flat. Now he's a good guy. I've always liked dealing with Gus, but like you saw that old high school coach yesterday in the press conference. You saw that spirit, and maybe a little bit is like the fishbowl got to him. He's not a naturally charismatic guy per se, but. You know, he's like, I always have a chip on my shoulder, I thought. And I'm a little biased because I asked the question, but I thought like the most ju- one of the most juice things he said was like, oh, I'm calling plays. And I'm gonna call plays the rest of my career. Like there were some like things that like you you felt some genuine enthusiasm and passion about where, again, give him credit. He was steady. He was the same guy every time. He wasn't favorite to one or the other. I, I'm not knocking Gus on, but I loved what I saw in that press conference. Now. Again, I think he'll revert uh, maybe a little bit more to what, what he was. But if you're at UCF, as we've seen with Danny White, we saw a little bit with Scott Frost. There's a carnival carnival barker aspect to it. Hey, look at me. We want some attention. Terry Mahajer certainly grabbed that by calling Gus Malzahn the best college coach in the state of Florida, which, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that'll get that'll, – that'll keep some – Columns filled in the uh, you know in the, in the off there that'll fill up some digital uh, digital space. So I kind of like Gus the Maverick. Like I want to recast him as that, and uh, I really I'm, I'm excited about that notion. Gus flashing that side that we really haven't seen. I thought was pretty cool.
0: So who's playing him in the Disney movie when he actually takes him to the playoffs? Good question. <laughs> Maybe Sally. he's Mister Waffle. Question? He's waffly McWaffle. <laughs> <laughs> Waffley McWaffle. There we go.
1: I think too. This is a program that you need competence. And when you have all the advantages in your league, you need competence and you will win. And so there are some really good programs in in the in uh, the AAC. Uh, Cincinnati, uh, obviously Central Florida, South Florida, Memphis. You Memphis know, there's some programs that can do really, really well. Um, SMU's
2: on the rise. Houston, Definitely.
1: right? You have your yep. city. When you have yep. competence, you'll do really well. Now, I think the best spot is Central Florida, but, and I think he will bring competence. He knows how to build a staff. He knows how to manage a roster. He knows how to handle boosters immediately. He knows how all those things you're no longer dealing with. We're down to like, will his offense work? Well, why wouldn't it? So he had, and like you said, he, it's not like he's just walking in and recruiting a new area. Obviously, he's recruited Florida for forever. Uh, all of these things. He's a former high school coach. There's a lot going on, but he will deliver that competence because the one, the, it was always very swingy that program under the way South Florida is like. Georgia Leary would have these great seasons, then he'd come back with four wins. And I mean, it was only a couple of years ago that they had zero wins in a season. That was yeah, kind of a we transitional. Okay. But they had it,
2: two losing seasons and two undefeated seasons in the last six years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can guarantee yes. you nobody else in the country has had yeah. <laughs> like it's that. Up is, and down.
1: <laughs> can he yeah. just bring that consistency where they can build the way Luke Fickle has it at Cincinnati? And you build a real program. And does the fact he's already done this in the SEC, already made a fortune, mean he's more inclined to just stay where he's at? Now, does Arkansas eventually appeal to him? We've always thought he was going to go to Arkansas at some point. Uh, I don't know that Sam Pittman's leaving anytime soon. So who knows? But maybe that is, but I just don't think he's going to try to jump. Like, uh, let's, you know, he's not going to jump in at, South Carolina or Mizzou or, not that any of those places are looking for a coach right now, but you know what I mean? That level yeah. of the program, I'm not even sure he'd sit there and say, I want to go to Florida. He may just be quite content doing a really good job. He's 55. Uh, I don't know. Great hire. It's a lot of central Florida talk, but great hire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, can I make one more point?
2: Uh, I, I just think like to, to dovetail on what you said, Dan, I think it's important. Like, so that press conference was all time batty yesterday. Some of the questions being asked. Like oh, they were like, yeah. they were like 2017 UCF national championship truthers. What is your opinion? Were they really the national champions? <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. Would I would imagine like an OAN press conference? It was, it was wild. <laughs> all right. Like it was just the thing like they asked Gus if he was ready for the pressure cooker. Of oh Florida. yeah. That, that was my favorite.
3: That was great. Yeah. Yeah,
2: but even like the, like, what what is your, you saw that team in 2017, what is your opinion? It just shows you how their identity is so wrapped up in that moment because they, you know, there's such a short lifespan of the program that don't really have anything else. My thought is this, like, forget about the playoff because you can go undefeated, but it doesn't matter if you're a losing record two years later. I, I feel like if you have, if I have to project a Gus and he can be their Kyle Whittingham who wins them nine to 11 games every year, maybe pops off and goes undefeated once, but never gets bad. Or they're Gary Patterson, who does the same thing, and puts them, you need to be consistently great. Not necessarily elite, but you can't be mediocre or bad. You need to be consistently great to position yourself for the jump if the Big 12 is going to add, if the ACC is going to add, whoever it is. And if, if they could sign up for Gus for like eight years at an average of nine and a half wins, that's success. Forget about the playoff. Like there were so many questions about the playoff committee and all this. It's like, no, like settle down. What, what really matters even more than a playoff bid is elevating that program to the new paradigm of which there's a, a really good foundation built for.
1: They're not getting in the playoff until it expands. I mean, it's just yeah. right. they, No, that's not it. happening. This thing's rigged up. There's no way. So, yeah. Which doesn't mean you since, can't have a lot of fun yeah. times. You can't get more fans going. You can't engage the community, and you can't have have a really good team. So it's just, sure, it's, it's total total crap shot on that. All right, the big story, if you will, in college basketball this week, uh, so far has been that Duke freshman Jalen Johnson, highly regarded player out of high school, as Duke recruits tend to be. Rarely is Duke getting a guy who's not looking at the NBA. Uh, He decided to uh, pack it in. He called it a season. He announced that he would be leaving the program the few weeks to go. I appreciate everything about my time at Duke. Coach K, my teammates the program have been nothing but supportive throughout this season, especially during the rehab of my foot injury. Uh, He wants to be 100% healthy. For the NBA draft, he averaged 11.2 points, 6.1 rebounds. It's probably a top 10 draft pick, but he bails on Duke. Duke is not very good. They're eight and eight overall. They're six and six in ACC play. They do not look like they're having a whole lot of fun. Uh, maybe it's because of Duke, but this created a a massive reaction. Guy, guy leaving in the middle of the season. Pat,
3: your thoughts on on the uh, Johnson decision? Yes, I, I have many. I think I would put it in the category of, you know, I'd like to see you stay and stick it out and play the full season with the rest of the team. But if you don't, that's your choice. You know, I I, I, I am not going to sit here and condemn the young man for it, as some people were. The one thing that, that I really had some pushback on was some people, you know, very quick all of a sudden to kill this kid because... Uh, he went to three different high schools. You know, he kept moving around there. He bailed out on IMG last year and then went back to his school. And now he's done this. And it's like, okay, and that's – don't paint Duke as a victim because, because this kid's fickle and moves around and, and or, qu- quote, unquote, quits teams. You took him. Duke wanted him. Kentucky wanted him. These teams wanted him. And, it, you know, you can put it with Terrence Clark, who I guess now is injured for Kentucky but hadn't played since December – Uh, And people were saying, oh, you know, he doesn't really want to play. This is the system, man. Guys are at school who don't really want to be at school. They're thinking of the NBA, and this is a way station, and now there's more, uh, I think, evidence that going to the G League and trying that route is not a bad way to go. Some people have gone overseas. That's a little tougher route, I think, for an 18-year-old, but they've done that. And, you know, you can't sit there if if you're Duke and say – well, you know this guy's—he's—he's he's got commitment issues. You, you didn't care about that when you signed him, that's for sure. You were all in with him when he came to school, so I don't want to hear it on the back end from Duke or Duke fans or Duke loyalists or whatever. You know, it's—it this is the reality that we live in. It's just that that players, especially, especially this year, and this is the biggest reason. I cannot blame Jalen Johns for anything. This season's a mess. This season's a disaster. From every standpoint, not necessarily even just a Duke win or loss standpoint, but quality of life, your existence as a member of a team, the dealing with the testing, we're playing, we're not playing, what you're on, you're off, you're just everything about it is difficult. And if I can't, we can't sit here and say, you're a bad guy, because you decided you'd had enough of this. Uh, certainly not, you know, now, who knows? Is this... Is it a COVID excuse? Does he really just not want to play? Is he a ba- I don't know. But I mean, it would have been great because Duke's not out of the tournament picture. Duke could still make the tournament. And if they were going to, he would have been a key contributor to that, you would think, although his playing time had diminished. So, you know, it's not like he was, it's not like this team was three and 20 and he quit on them. But still, I, it's the player's decision. I don't blame him. And I do blame people who would act like Duke has somehow been like blindsided by this.
2: Yeah, I mean Jalen Johnson is a lottery pick fringe lottery pick whatever it is like like many have projected. He's essentially trying to protect a hundred million dollar asset. And anyone who is or what could what could develop into a hundred million dollar asset. And he has what has been reported as a foot injury. He missed a month of the season with a foot injury. If there's any part of your body that's fragile that scares evaluators, that like the feet are very, very finicky things of all of all the body feet and knees, I would say, are the two body parts that are or or just The things that if if you have problems, they can keep going downhill. So if Jalen Johnson wants to protect what could be a hundred million dollar career in order to save his feet and get ready for the pre-draft process. And I don't know. I don't know, Pat, how much uh, how much I I agree with you on, like, Duke still having a chance. Sure. Like on paper, in theory, they could uh, they could have a chance. But like if you've watched Duke, like they just we're used to Duke having a chance because it's Duke. But this isn't Duke. And I don't think they have much of a chance. Now, certainly they could win the ACC tournament if there's an ACC tournament. There is like a path there, but I would just I think they're out with a bullet right now. And I don't really see them getting back in. So if you're Jalen Johnson and you're hurt and your team isn't any good, like I I have no issues at all with him doing what he did.
1: None. Yeah, I think like a lot of things can be true here. I, I kind of felt like the reaction to this was like just black and white it's like, there's a, uh, this is sort of a gray area here. I mean, he did bail on his teammates. I mean, he did. You're either with the team and then you're not with the team. So there, there is an element to that. But I certainly understand. I mean, if he's injured, the scope of this, the the stakes involved are so significant. And, uh, you know, I agree a little with Pat. Like, this is the guys you take. You know he he's going to transfer. And these kids today and really for a while now have been about, They'll switch every single year if they need to. There's not a lot of loyalty. I also think when, you, when you're looking at Duke, then maybe college basketball as a whole, but certainly Duke, it's like, well, what are we doing that doesn't motivate a kid to stay? I remember there's like an old line. I think it was like Grant Hill. was like, one of the reasons he stayed for his senior year is he was too scared to go in to talk to Shashevsky and tell him he wanted to leave, right? Well, those days are over. And if you still, and I'm not saying Duke is doing this, but... If you're still running your program that way, and Duke isn't, obviously. He's well aware when these guys show up, they want to leave right away. But what if you create the right culture or you create the right situation, people will stick around. You know? and, and I don't know the internals on this, but obviously Jalen Johnson saw this as straight business. That's what he was there for. And so maybe the way we look at it the way a lot of fans look at it, the way a lot of coaches look at it and you go, God, what would be better than being a Duke basketball player and all these things? Obviously, you don't have the campus life that you normally have. You don't have Cameron Indoor. You don't have all these things that would seemingly make you say, no, nah, I, I want that one more shot at Carolina. I want That stuff, you have to work harder as a coach now to create a system that makes people want to stay, not just a, a guy leaving in the middle of the season to be a, a, a draft pick, but also your regular player from transferring we talk about in football like the transfer portal if you can at alabama they don't transfer out unless they're not playing those guys sit and wait their turn and you're mac jones and you're saying i'm gonna i'm gonna be that guy if you can create that atmosphere then mac jones doesn't leave and then that one year where you maybe don't have that perfect quarterback oh we actually we do so I think a little of this is on the coaches to say, what, what are we doing to keep guys? Uh, because this is a business deal for for some of these players. Some aren't, some are. And there's nothing wrong with that because it's a business deal the other way. And for years and years, coaches basically ran dudes off, over-recruited on them. They didn't believe in them, all that stuff. So it's it's a fair play, but... That would be my thing with college coaches is part of your job is not just to lament the portal, but wonder what you created that sends guys running
3: to the portal. It's a great point, Dan. It really is. Yes, a little bit of self-reflection really for individual college coaches and for the college game as a whole about why do people have so little interest in staying and playing in your sport? You know, and we've talked about this before, but they, they that when they can get back to having the NABC convention at the final four, they do plenty of seminars and all those sort of things. But carve out a little bit of time so that not everybody's just hitting the bars wherever they are and say, let's get together and say, what do we do with our sport here? So that people don't think the G League or transferring or whatever is, is the better option. You know, I, I, I don't know whether it's an easy fix, but it's certainly something that needs to be addressed. Yeah, and one of the reasons why Duke is lagging
2: where it is now is because uh, Jonathan Kaminga did not go to Duke. Like, he was that sort of transformative guy, and we're going to really start to feel that G League pull of elite talent affect these programs. And honestly, it's two businesses competing against each other, which Adam Silver recognized so far ahead of Mark Emmerich and everyone else in college athletics. I mean, you can blame Emmerich because if he was a great businessman... He would have made college basketball a better place for the top talent, a better place for James Wiseman, a better place for all the guys who just found other ways to go. And that, that, th- there's been nothing about this G League experiment, especially in this messy year, t- to me, that's going to keep guys from continuing to go that route. So I think that's going to be one of the fascinating tensions to really watch over the upcoming uh, over the upcoming years. And look, let, let's be blunt. It's been a flat season in college basketball. There, is, uh, there there's certainly been some good games and some good moments, but it has not captured America's attention. It has continued to recede, the regular season especially, from the mainstream. And hopefully a tournament which should be wide open because I feel like the talent after the top three teams is pretty flat. Will be wild and crazy and pull people back in. But I don't think the general American sports fan right now has a, an attachment to college basketball other than maybe like a brand or where you went to school. But it's not player driven. It's laundry driven to use the old Seinfeld line,
3: yeah. And right now they have the laundry, all the all the laundry schools are bad at the same time. you know, like I think, you know, i've I have watched a ton of college basketball since. The football season ended like every single night. And I think it's been a decent product. Like Gonzaga's really good and really fun. Alabama is incredibly fun, especially when they're when they're shooting. Uh Baylor is a much better offensive team than they've ever been. Michigan is interesting. Ohio State is interesting. There's some schools to latch on to, but I just don't think people are predisposed to do it.
1: The uh this this team ignite, too. I I, I get their press. Material it's pretty interesting. They actually were on ESPN U I think Monday at like three o'clock, which I thought was <laughs> funny. It's like ESPN U is not the U, <laughs> you know. But like you know, Kaminga's offer uh, averaging eighteen point three a game. You know, as they're playing, uh, you know, one of his teammates is Jarrett Jack. Like they're, they're it, it's a mix of a team and that's amazing. Teammate yeah. is Jarrett Jack. <laughs> Jarrett Jack, Jared Jared is Jack on in the
2: final four, like in two thousand and. Four, two or three, four,
1: maybe a four. Four. It's only Jared Jack I know. I'm not going to tell you. I'm an <laughs> expert on the team ignite. I'm just looking at the box score here. He's he's averaging 13.5 a game. Yeah, Jared Jack fill it now. No, mm. yeah. I mean they're playing yep. again, but they they're bringing them along very smartly. Again, you you need to sell to these kids why you want them, and and right. I think when they watch a guy like Wiseman basically run out of college basketball. They sort of go, well, uh, maybe they're going to run me out and I don't get to play at all. I, so it's it's a battle. But I actually do think college basketball is pretty good, all things considered, and especially considering they're missing one of the best parts of college basketball, which is the fans. Uh, you know, it's just, you watch these games and it's odd. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yep. Jarrett Jack, born in 1983, uh, Jonathan Kaminga and Deshaun Nix, born in 2002. Oh, my. That would create oh. for some interesting locker room conversations. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Literally could be their father. Well, Jared Jack's getting a little run, getting a little what run. He's uh, shooting 43% field goals. Uh, let's see. I'll give you the full stat line.
2: <laughs> oh, Amir Johnson. Remember, remember Amir oh, yeah. Johnson, who's longtime yeah. NBA big from Westchester High School? He's on the team. He was born in 87.
1: Uh, he bear- he's a reserve. He's not a starter. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm just
2: looking at a, a roster on Wikipedia, my favorite fake news source. Wow. Jesse Govan from Georgetown. I remember that name. Yeah, uh, He was born in 97. He's kind of one of the middle, middle age, sort of late 20s-ish guys uh, on the roster. Uh, Donta Hall from Alabama, Pat. I'm sure you remember yep. him.
3: Yeah, sure.
2: Um, I remember. Bobby Br- Bobby Brown from Fullerton's on this team, too, born in 1984.
3: So they got a two. Mere, yeah amir johnson i remember he was supposed to go to louisville and he he went straight pro whether he went overseas or whatever and everybody like lost their minds they could not believe it That was back when that was still like somewhat shocking
2: it, it, louisville fans it's unlike them to lose their minds they're usually
3: a pretty <laughs> composed
2: group yeah so I, right? I, I find that hard to believe
1: that so whatever <laughs> it is college basketball needs to if they want these guys they need to figure it out and um Obviously, it's it's college is not. There are real options now, and college is not going to be for everybody. And obviously, as as we, I think we've said, as the as the blue bloods have struggled this year, you can you can win with one and duns if you're if you have, you know, one two three pick in the draft. Not when you have number 10, 11, 12. It's a different ball. You know, just consider how the because they go, oh, it's, I got this five star, I got this five star, five stars is too many five stars. You want the twenty third pick in the draft, the number two pick in the draft. Uh, you know, it's, it's a massive difference. So if you have those guys, you can win. When you you know that that Zion year, they had one, two, three, Cam Reddish. And was, but if you don't, it's and those guys now are are in Australia or in this Team Ignite, and so it's a it's a different ball game. I, I'm going to check out. It's going to be my. We should uh,
3: we should all buy some Team Ignite swag.
1: Team Ignite swag. It's <laughs> Team Ignite swag. On to really more pressing news. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Obviously, we do a lot with the chicken wars, uh, the Mm. the great chicken sandwich battles. And we have some, we may have an update here on that. There's a lot going on. McDonald's is is releasing its chicken sandwiches. It's three chicken sandwiches on uh, February 24th. Very Mm. exciting uh, news. So that's coming up. Uh, They announced it on Twitter. This guy, I, I sent you guys this screenshot of this guy who tweeted at McDonald's and he had a <laughs> yeah, right I love occasionally twitter is actually worth something other than like so stupid sucking your soul yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy uh he tweeted back at them a picture of uh, a wrapper for the McChicken sandwich and they had the McChicken bun and the the lettuce from the McChicken and as his patty he just had a chicken nugget <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know what this was. I, I doubt that this was actually <laughs> a number of things could have happened with this chicken. And uh, I'm already off topic on the chicken. Either <laughs> like the high, the high school cook in back could have just said, I don't have a chicken patty. So I'm just going to give him a chicken nugget and hope <laughs> hope he didn't notice. But <laughs> it's possible. Uh, <laughs> Where's the patty? Uh, uh-uh. here. Give him one chicken. I got an extra chicken nugget yeah. here. Um, Or this was staged, which I assume. Uh, this is not an accurate representation of the chicken sandwich that he got. But I just wonder why? Why stage this? Why? What? What runs through someone's head to say I'm going to stage a picture where I have a chicken nugget as my chicken patty, thus looking ridiculous in the in the bun, just so I can like tweet at McDonald's one day? Like just?
3: just I, mean, I suspect this might be real. I I, I am gonna say this is not. <laughs> fake. He says this is not this is not some QAnon thing. Oh, and no, this is a real <laughs> disservice was done to this man. He was given a nugget when he should have been given a patty and he's outraged. And, and to, to describe the photo better, he,
1: they slip the nugget into the patty. So, yeah. I mean, into the, In the bun. So it, you'd yes. be eating your chicken sandwich, your McChicken or whatever they call it. And then there'd be no chicken. It'd just be a small piece of chicken. I. He said this is the Blank, y'all gave me last time, bro. <laughs> By the
2: way, what? this is just Why? I laughed for like a half an hour over this. Historical conversation, the first time QAnon has been brought into chicken wars. Probably not the last, no, so thank no. you, Pat. I no. mean, the
1: ties are pretty obvious when you really look at it. The stakes are higher. I'm going to yes. ask this guy. I have questions. What happened? Was it really- Okay, so I'm totally distracted. All right, forget chickens right now. We have a different issue. We talk about chicken wars. Well, what about a war with a chicken in it? Hey, right, now you got me. Okay. What do you got? A miss. This has happened in Coleman, Alabama. And just really all you need is the dateline. You know something, you know, you know it's gonna be good when I drag dragging up Coleman, Alabama. A Mississippi teen who lost his Civil War reenacting pet chicken. <laughs> the chicken's name is Peep.
3: <laughs> okay. It gets Eat better. the chicken. Peep, yeah. yeah. Peep. Oh, peep, not Pete. Okay. Peep, sorry. not Pete. Peep. P e e p. Peep. It's my cousin.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. A Mississippi teen who lost his Civil War reenacting pet chicken outside a Cracker Barrel restaurant in Alabama. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the sentence is not done was reunited with the bird courtesy of a farmer who helped find the fowl. Good work (laughs) by the AP here. Uh, Okay, you have questions, right? Um, Yes. Yes. Yeah. uh, Thomas Ramsey, who founded a military reenactment group for youth, (laughs) uh, was headed home from a weekend event in Spring Hill, Tennessee, when he stopped with a friend at a restaurant in Coleman, Alabama. He left Peep a rooster that participated in simulated battles, <laughs> <laughs> tied to his truck in the parking lot.
2: <laughs> they left lot more questions, but keep going.
1: They left <laughs> peep out the parking lot. They went into That's the Cracker Barrel. You're
3: asking for trouble.
1: That's Cracker Barrel's a sit-down restaurant. Said when and uh, peep could become a tender if the wrong
3: chef. Yeah, too. You'll
1: leave a <laughs> you'll leave a chicken around those those uh, Cracker Barrel cooks. They'll take care of that. Absolutely. Uh, Ramsey said he and his friend walked out about an hour later. They left him in for an hour, discovered the chicken had flown the coop, was nowhere to be seen. I went back into the Cracker Barrel, and it was very hard for me to say this with a straight face, even though I was panicking. Do you have cameras in the parking lot? I think someone stole my chicken. Uh, Someone overheard and said they had seen Peep wandering the parking lot. Uh, An animal control officer got involved for the hunt, and a missing Missing chicken photo, a photo of Peep, was soon spread on social media pages around Coleman. He couldn't have his, uh, Peep was not early easily found, so the guy left. Uh, and then uh, a farmer named John Watson found Peep and uh, brought him thing, and he says, I believe in paying it forward. God has blessed my family so much through the years, I believed we should be kind to our fellow man. Yes, it was just a chicken, but it was his. And he clearly <laughs> cared for it. this guy. This guy, John Watson, apparently is taking great
3: credit for not cooking peep. Yeah, clearly. He seems a little chapped about it, too. <laughs> I did not pluck him. I did not cook, baste him. I did not cook him. OK. As for how does a chicken participate in a Civil War reenactment? <laughs>
2: <laughs> right? That's pretty like, good. Like, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, would yeah, you need you're to be... wake up in the morning? Right.
1: Uh.
3: Which side is the chickens on? Uh-huh. You know, maybe well, both side side sides had side has to wake up, yeah. right? I think the, the chickens, chickens be, be Union on the chicken. Side. There's a Confederate chicken. I, mean, I think the chicken would be on the side of the North. They would be like, uh, I, I agree that uh, fried chicken is more popular in the South. Yeah. It's <laughs> totally be a unfair chicken. to make yeah. the chicken fight for the... <laughs> Ger- yeah.
1: Ramsey said Civil War soldiers sometimes had animals with them on the battlefield. So he takes Peep to reenactments. During the first one, Peep attended, he said, the bird got out of the bag and wandered around during the simulated battle. There's about 10 cannons just blazing and a rifle fire, and he's not going crazy. He's pretty chill. (laughs) Chill chicken. This has got to be the dumbest story I've ever read.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I've been trying to think about this, like, appropriately, since what we do for a living, but from the reporter's perspective. (laughs) Like... You know, 20 years ago, you would have gotten the, a phone call from somebody and they're like, yeah, I might have a story for you. Yeah. What do you got? Well, there was this Civil War chicken like, excuse me, <laughs> and it got lost at Cracker Bell. Wait a minute. What? And I mean, <laughs> I, this is probably something that was picked up on the line, you know, on Facebook or whatever. And you pursued the story there. But you got to be and then you got to go into your editor and say, OK, I got a story for you today. What do you got? I got a Civil War chicken, etc. This would be a uh, an interesting sell. Uh, but a fun right. Here's the here's the question we'd want to know at
2: at Yahoo: Will the chicken click?
1: <laughs> oh, it'll click. It'll click. Yes. News of the weird clicks. Uh, of Ramsey on his uh, I don't know if this is Twitter or Instagram. Uh, he's got pictures of him holding uh, Peep at the reenactment. Uh, there seems to be a little sad reenactment thing here. That always seemed kind of weird to me. He also has his initial post. He is a beloved member of my family, and I will handsomely reward anyone who can return him to me. He, I mean, he's that beloved. You wouldn't have left him tied to a bumper for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, an hour at at, at, uh, at Cracker Barrel? An you're hour? Asking... Is this isn't Morton's Steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're getting extra coffee. You're just sitting around. He
3: clearly had pie. They probably wandered around that little store. I like that
1: little <laughs> store.
2: I
3: like those games. Yeah, you buy your little triangle thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The hell yeah, yeah, took like, an hour at you know, Cracker Barrel. Cribbage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you leave your chicken out there. You know, set, set, you are asking for the chicken to be abducted, fried, served, etc. cetera. So I, I, this is a bit negligent on the part of uh, Potter Familius of said chicken, for sure. You All might right. as well have left coleslaw and mashed potatoes on the side of him. <laughs> Dude, people would have liked it a little bit. Cracker Barrel's got something for everybody.
1: It's the beauty of Cracker Barrel. At least put them on the, tie them to one of those rocking chairs or something. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> All right. All right. People's court, people's court. Oh. Uh, uh, we know we have the uh winter vortex. I hope everyone is safe. Uh I, It's unbelievable. The lack of power, the cold. I don't even know what to say. It's a disaster. I mean, I it snows here in Michigan, but we're like prepared for it. Uh, I don't know what, it's like a hurricane hitting like Iowa. Like there's just no, it's <laughs> the wrong trees, the right, everything. So, I don't know how bad this is going to be, but I heart goes out to everybody who's probably having property damage and everything else. But uh, there is some merriment to it. uh, And so I wanted to ask you guys this. Ole Miss, among other places, had a uh, had a a situation where the students uh, it snowed in Oxford, snowed a pretty good amount. These some members of the Ole Miss student body decided to go down to the football field the football stadium where obviously a lot of snow had been collected out on the field, get in there and have a massive snowball fight. Uh, Yet then uh, we had a video of the campus police showing up rather aggressively (laughs) jumping out, kids running, uh, uh, basically uh, detaining one young lady, at least for a little while. Uh, questioning. There was all sorts of aggressive police conduct. Uh, so here's my thing. Should a uh, an old Miss student be cited? Is there is there a violation, some kind of ordinance uh, involved in getting in a snowball fight? Uh, is this an overreaction or hell, we got to keep this turf safe for, uh, for Arch Manning to show up. And uh, if you ain't Arch, you can't go on the field. His thoughts on the snowball
3: affair of Oxford. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I say let my people go. Do not detain them. Do not prosecute them. Uh, if you are a student at the University of Mississippi, this is like maybe the first time ever that you have seen significant snowfall. Uh, I mean, you know, some people obviously who are not from Mississippi or from further north that go to school there will have seen it. But if you're a Mississippi native, how often does this happen? Uh, this is, you know, Haley's Comet coming to rest on your campus. Go out and enjoy the snow and throw some snowballs around. You know, wear your mask. Stay stay, stay, stay distant socially. But I, I have... Uh, I am completely on the side of the snowball fighters uh, in this one. At least, uh,
1: according to the Daily Mississippian, two students, at least two students were cited for trespassing inside uh, Vaught-Hemingway
3: Stadium. There should be no rules and no laws during a snowfall, a major snowfall in Mississippi. None. They also violated the COVID guidelines for campus. Uh, Uh,
1: (laughs) Ten people indoors, 25 outdoors. I'm going to tell you what. I don't believe there's going to be a lot of COVID spreading at a snowball fight. Snowball fight. Who wrote this thing? You never been to, You don't try to get close to the guy. He's going to beat you in the face.
2: I, I think we're really missing a, a key piece of this, Stan and Pat. I'm, I'm disappointed nobody brought it up. The Lane This is Lane Kiffin yeah. at work. You're talking about a place that had the 126 defense in the country last year out of 127 teams. This was a simple exercise to find some walk-ons who could actually stop somebody. All right. (laughs) Lane and DJ Durkin were up in the coach's booth watching the snowball fight, looking for somebody with a pulse to put on that rebel defense. (laughs) It's very obvious. I don't know how with our bend to conspiracy theories. Nobody thought of this. That's a good point.
3: We we
1: we overlooked the obvious. Pretty funny paragraph here. Despite the excitement around the organized snowball fight, many of the students present were not throwing snowballs. Uh, the atmosphere in the grove felt similar to that of a tailgating at home. Oh, this, so this is when they did not go in. Uh, people climb the fences at Fod at hemingway That's their, They should be open all the time. It's, that's my problem. Yeah, open. Right, that's what we right. said the other day with that. Let, let the tourists in. What, right. what is state secrets not the pentagon it's a damn football field uh
0: this is where uh, we go and it's turf it's not like you're messing up the grass like, come on this is where I we go turf, seven yeah. and
1: five every year
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: it's a yes we can absolutely inviolable cathedral it must be kept sacred yeah. at oh, all times god I mean, um, this is
2: where the guy lifted his leg like a dog and peed I yeah. think that was in Starkville, <laughs> but you get the point
3: the
1: old piss right um <laughs> The uh, one member, so uh, the, the students, uh, one member played music from a speaker. So a guy brought a speaker down to the snowball fight. Sweet. Uh, students were dancing, cheering, and at one point, crowd surfing. And that that could be a COVID problem. And yeah. then finally, yeah. some students were seen drinking
3: alcohol. <laughs> so Imagine that. Shocker. The first ones in the school's history. Yeah. 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 Classes are canceled. We have a snow for the first time, and who knows how long. Gee, who would have thought anybody, any college students would go out and drink? Pat, yes. you have. Uh, Let's two. get a mug of cocoa and a book and get under a blanket <laughs> and wait till tomorrow. Get ahead on our studies. Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> Pat, if one of your, your, your children, uh, two have gotten out of college, one is still in, uh, called you and said, I need bail money. I've been, <laughs> I've been arrested. um, And then said it was because I was involved in a snowball fight on the football field. Would Would there be any, would you, what, what's your reaction
3: there? I I would be pretty lenient, I think, with that one. (laughs) I would. I would not tell my wife, though. She would not be lenient. So So, any any mention of arrest would not go well. So she would side with the law. I would probably side with the defense attorney. Dan, would you have bet on
2: Pat being the cool parent? I I don't know if I would have bet Hmm, on that. No.
1: (laughs) Probably. probably. Oh, tell
2: Dad. We'll get away with it.
1: Yeah, actually, maybe. I don't think he's paying a lot of attention. (laughs) That's a good point. (laughs) It's watching college basketball. No, yeah. All <laughs> right, free the old miss too. Free the old miss too. <laughs> get him at will linebacker Lane Kiffin. Get down there and pay for their bail. Come on, yeah. Oh, he would do a tweet about it. Yeah, yeah it'd be good pub. All right, we'll be back Thursday for another edition. Hope everyone is uh, safe and warm. Get warm out there. Talk to y'all later.